I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey friends, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 106, and today I guess I'm going to call it Figuring Out Agreements with My Kids. So the principle from the win part of the win-win habit is agreements and figuring out win-win agreements. And I mentioned back in that habit that I would kind of go a little bit deeper to just really understand this because I feel like it is probably one of my problems. <laughs> I don't know how to make agreements with my kids or I do, but they're not like win-win agreements and there's a lot of nagging on my part. So I thought, well, I need to really understand this. What am I not getting? What do I need to do better? What are things that are making it hard? Okay, so you guys, I'm counting down to like one week until my son can get, well, can take the driver's test. Oh my gosh, just please. I don't know why I'm getting so sick of driving him everywhere, but I am. <laughs> and and it's not like we have like an extra car for him. I mean, he'll be able to drive one of our cars, but it's just like, I don't know, having him be able to take himself places. There's just something about that. And there's a little bit of like, they just grow up a little bit when they start driving. I don't know. So one week from the day this is recording, actually, yeah. So I will let you know next week what happens. If we have to wait like another month in between, if he fails, oh my gosh. So we're going to practice a lot this week. I don't know if you guys have maneuverability like we do in Ohio, but there's this maneuverability thing where you have to like back up into, it's almost like backing up into a parking spot and then coming back and then going into one that's like ahead of it, but like the next like kitty corner. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but we got to make sure he gets that because his driving is fine. But, hmm, whoo, cross fingers, extra prayers, <laughs> if you want to say for me. Okay. All right, here we go. Agreements. I honestly think this has been so good. And I've seen how I mentioned, like, was it in the last episode, how we had this little family council to talk about our after school activities and helping out and how that it's going to be a little different. And I see how we did a few things right and a few things I need to clarify a little more, I guess. Instead of saying I did it wrong, I need to just clarify a few more items. And that'll make more sense in a little bit. But this week also for my references, 
I use the same seven habits book that I have been using, which is like the 2020 edition, like that's like the 30 year um, edition. And then I also was a had gotten the seven habits for highly effective families. I thought, oh, that will probably have a few more things. And it actually did have a few more stories. So I'm going to share a couple stories that'll be helpful for like examples. Okay. So if you remember from habit four, which was win, win, there was the episode about the emotional banking account. And one of the key things about making a win-win agreement or helping to have a more effective win-win agreement is to be working on that, making deposits into your children's bank account. And then I would also say that they are trying to do the same. So there is higher trust. It is easier to have win-win agreements when there's higher trust. Okay, so that is one thing that is very helpful. So this is what Stephen Covey says. He says, traditional authoritarian supervision is a win-lose paradigm. It's also the result of an overdrawn emotional bank account. If you don't have trust or a common vision of desired results, you tend to hover over, check up on, and direct. Trust isn't there, so you feel as though you have to control people. But if the trust is high, what is your method? Get out of their way. As long as you have an upfront win-win agreement, your role is to be a source of help and to receive their accountability reports. Or like with family agreements, just to like have a way you're checking up on them in like an empowering way, like you're all on the same side. Okay, so I thought this was also really um, poignant that Stephen Covey points out in Highly Effective Families is that so many of us are brought up on win-lose or just with competition in our families. And so you also need to really evaluate the culture of your family, kind of like when they talked about how if you want to have a win-win situation in your workplace, you got to also check what systems you have in place so that they can support it. Same idea with your family culture. Are you comparing your children a lot? Is there lots of like competition instead of like working together? Not that competition, he's saying it's not like bad, like that's part of life, but within the family, if most of life is Um, a competition, then it can be really hard on the siblings. Like if they feel like they're competing with your attention, your love, um, if you're comparing your kids, all of those things, he said, just to kind of really take a look. He says, when it comes to creating a nurturing family culture, a win-win abundance paradigm is the only option. So again, you have to Try to think about your emotional bank account with your kids, really working on developing trust, making deposits, and then also having the belief in abundance, abundance in all types of things, love, resources, time, all those things, and then the belief in finding win-win solutions. 
even today. So this morning, my kids are off school because of a teacher in service and my son wanted to invite some friends over and a couple of his friends' parents are working and they would need a ride. And I was like, ugh, I don't want to be a chauffeur. Again, comes up with like, I wish you had your licensing. But so I was thinking a minute and I said, well, what would be a win-win for this? Because win would be getting your friends here and what's a win for me. So I had to think about that. And then I told him. And so we made an agreement. But then his dad was willing to take him. So I don't know if that agreement is still in force. We'll see. So just like having this idea like, okay, there's win-wins out there. What was something I really feel like I need and what do you need and how can we make that work for both of us? All right, the last thing he points out is that is really important with win-win agreements is maturity. And remember, his definition of maturity is a balance between both courage and consideration. Because when you're making a win-win agreement, especially with your children, you have to have consideration for them, right? And listen to their needs and you're having kind of a discussion of what would work best. And then you also have the courage to tell them what you feel like you need and the family needs. I feel like I don't have a problem telling my kids like what I feel like our family needs. So I probably need to have more consideration for them. It's just all good to know. So again, working on your trust, your emotional bank account, win-win abundance paradigm and um, high maturity is really helpful. If you have all those components, then it is a little bit easier to get to a win-win agreement. Okay. So I think I mentioned this in the Habit 4 podcast. He says, there are five elements to take into consideration when making win-win agreements. Okay. So number one would be the desired results. What are the wins for you and for me? So just that simple example of my son needing a ride, like needing his pick up his friend. And I didn't really want to do that. So we worked out a little win-win for that. Like if I did that, then what would be a win for me? What was he willing to do? Um, that's just really simple example. There's probably better ones. But anyway, number two, guidelines. Who will do what? Are there specific results of guidelines that need to be followed? Okay. Third, resources. Who can help? What budget or resources are available? Number four, accountability. Are there timelines to be met? How will progress be measured? And number five, consequences. What will happen if we meet or do not meet the expectation? What are the natural consequences? Okay. So again, one, desired results. Two, guidelines. Three, resources. Four, accountability. And five, consequences. So I was hoping that in the like Highly Effective Families book, there would be another story that he would share like about his family. But he went back to that green and clean story with his son. So if you remember that story that um, they were having this family discussion about things that needed to get done in the house and trying to delegate things so that 
if there was stuff that only the parents could do, that they could do those things. And then if everybody else could help, that that would be like, that's what they were trying to accomplish in their family. And this one son volunteered to be in charge of the yard. Okay. So that's the first part of the story that I think is important is that the son volunteered to help. Like he was willing to help out. And I think there is an important part of that. Obviously, as you're trying to teach your kids family responsibilities within the house, they may not love to do that, but there probably is a little bit better way to help them be willing to do something. And as a family, you can find ways that maybe they volunteer for a particular job, like you have a list of jobs and they get a pick or just something like that. So that there's a little more willingness to help, if that makes sense. Okay. So I just thought that was interesting. Okay. He was willing, he volunteered for this job. They didn't just like assign it. Okay. Second part was that Stephen Covey was very specific in his results. So that's number one, the desired results. He wanted the, the lawn and the yard to be green. And he pointed out what that looked like and clean. He first kind of pointed to his neighbor's yard and said, this is what I want our lawn to look like and our yard to look like. And then he actually spent some time picking up stuff in their yard. And this is what clean looks like. Do you see the difference? And then spent a few weeks helping to train him. Okay. All right. Third part, then he says to his son, well, who's going to be your boss? And he basically says, you are. So this is number two, who will do what? Um, When you take over this job, you are the boss. And so I kind of like what he said when he said, you boss yourself. How do you like mom and dad nagging you all the time? And the son says, I don't. All right. And then Stephen Covey says, we don't like doing it either. It causes bad feelings. So you boss yourself. So basically he's saying you're in charge. Um, You're the boss. Okay. Fourth part of the story, he tells his son who is his helper. Um, That would be number three, the resources. Okay. So Stephen Covey tells him that he can be his helper. Whenever he's available to help, he's willing to help him. Then he then says, who's going to judge you? And this would be number four of accountability. Like, so he tells his son, you are going to judge your work. And then they set up a time. He, he basically tells them, we'll set up a time once a week where we'll walk around the yard and see how it's going. And you can tell me how your progress is. And then they said at the very end that they didn't set up any external consequences. He just wanted him to find the joy of helping out in the family. So the consequences were just natural. Like if he didn't do it, the yard would be yellow and look bad and Anyway, I love the next part of the story. So I don't know if you read it or if you remember that the first four days, the son didn't do anything. Like after they did two weeks of training and Stephen Covey thought he was ready, he showed him how to do it. And he told him he could choose any way to keep the lawn green. Like he's like, I don't care. You can spit on the lawn. You can use a hose. You can use sprinklers. He told him that I would use sprinklers. But he said, you can do whatever you want. The only thing you can't do is like paint it green. And so then when he felt he was ready, then Stephen Covey was like so excited to see what he would do. And then for the first four days, he literally didn't do anything. 
And Stephen Covey was like getting more and more and more frustrated. And I think sometimes that is the hard part at the beginning of agreements. When you're giving your kids a little more freedom to do stuff and you're used to being like the control win-lose paradigm, right? I'm going to control you because I don't feel frustrated when you have the freedom to choose when you do this. And um, so I love what Stephen Covey said. He says, I was tempted to break the agreement and go for a win-lose. Okay, this is after four days and he's like, son, you haven't done anything. He said, I wanted to say, son, get over here and pick up this garbage right now or else. But instead, he said he faked a smile and after dinner said, son, let's do as we agreed. Let's walk around the yard together and you can tell me how you are doing. And this was then the son just started crying and said it was so hard. And Stephen Covey was like, how is this even hard? You haven't done anything. But what was really hard about it was this self-management and self-supervision. So then after he cried a little bit and said this so hard, he's like, remember, I can be your helper. So they decided to work on cleaning up the yard just right that evening. And he said it was after that, that his son really took ownership of that job. And it was cleaner and greener than it had ever been when Stephen Covey said he was taking care of it. So he says, the main lesson I took away from this experience with our son, Stephen, was you cannot hold people responsible for results if you micromanage either them or their methods. When you are constantly nagging and telling people what to do and how to do it, you remain responsible for the results, not the other person. So what I suggest is that you let the agreement do the governing. Oh, that is so good. I'm actually going to read that again because I think it's really important. The main lesson I took away from this experience with our son, Stephen, was you cannot hold people responsible for results if you micromanage either them or their methods. When you are constantly nagging and telling people what to do and how to do it, you remain responsible for the results, not the other person. So what I suggest is that you let the agreement do the governing. There is my problem, people, right there. <laughs> I think I've been frustrated that my kids feel like they don't take, like they don't take responsibility. They don't, I don't see them like seeing a mess and then I get frustrated and then I tell them how to do things and they need to pick up and I see what I've been doing wrong all these years. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. I'm learning. And I think that that's how we grow as parents. We kind of learn. I was thinking back to like micromanaging and this is a really small example, but like, so I shop at Aldi and you know, you have to have your own bags and stuff when you go there. And we have been going there for years and we've gotten to the point where we just get a couple like big like plastic tubs and that I just put all our, our food in there and they're easy to carry in. And then we do have a few bags and I just have a certain way that I like load my groceries just because I've been doing it for so many years. And I noticed sometimes Nate would like come with me or he'd meet me in the parking lot because you know I was shopping and he just helped me load my car. And I noticed I would be like, oh, that doesn't go there. 
that goes in that bag. And don't put that there. That goes in that bag. And he would just be like, well, do you want my help or not? (laughs) And so I just had to let go of like, he's helping me. It doesn't really matter what bag the fruits and vegetables go in or bread or whatever. I have my system when I'm by myself, but if I'm with someone else and they're helping me, does it really matter what method we get the groceries into the car, out of the car, and into the house and put away, right? I need to let some of that go. But that is just a little tiny example of how like I notice, because I've never thought of myself as like a macro manager, but I see that with that last paragraph, how I have been. And that's why my kids maybe have not taken responsibility because I have it. I've been having it for years. Okay, so then I thought it might be helpful to give a few other examples that are listed in the book, okay, of someone else putting together an agreement that I think examples are really helpful, even though you might not be in the exact situation, that's all gonna help. Okay, so the first example is from Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families, And it's from a mother who established a win-win agreement with her children. So it's like one and a half pages. So bear with me with the story, but it's good. Okay. When my children were young, I made sure their clothes were clean, neatly folded and put away. But when they reached their teens, I felt time had come for them to be responsible for their own clothes. So at one of our family times, just before school started, we talked about what a win-win agreement was and what would be a win for them and a win for me in caring for their clothes. We literally set up a win-win clothing agreement. I agreed that I would provide them with some money for a clothing allowance each week. In turn, they agreed they would wash, fold, and put away their laundry each week, keep their clothes closets orderly, and not leave clothes lying around. We set out a box for anything I found that was left lying around. Each item put in the box cost them 25 cents from their clothing allowance to get it back. We also agreed that every week we would have an accountability session. The year started out great. They were excited about having money to buy their own clothes. We taught them how to use the laundry machines and then we went through several wonderful weeks with clean folded clothes. But as they became more involved in school activities, they began to miss a week here and there. Messes were appearing again all over the house. It was a big temptation to nag them about it, and sometimes I did, but after a while, I began to realize that I had given them a a responsibility, and as long as I was reminding them, it was my problem, not theirs. So I held my silence and let the agreement play itself out. Every week, I cheerfully sat down with them and discussed how the week had gone. If they had done their clothes, I gave them their clothing allowance. If not, I didn't. If they had left clothes out that ended up in the box, I deducted 25 cents. Week after week, they were brought face-to-face with their own performance. Before long, they began to say, I really need some new clothes, Mom. Great, I said. You have the money from your clothing allowance. Would you like me to take you shopping? The reality suddenly seemed to get through. They realized that some of their choices for what they had done with their clothes may not have been the best, but they couldn't complain. They had helped create the agreement in the first place. It wasn't long before they began to take a much greater interest in getting their laundry clean and put away. The best thing about this whole experience is that the agreement helped me to be more calm and let them learn. I was supported, but I wasn't being pulled into mom, get me a new shirt. They knew they couldn't come to me and beg me for money for clothes, 
So the agreement governed the situation, not me. I thought that was just a really good story about setting up an agreement and then the struggle in between. Sometimes you want to nag and have it work out perfectly, but you also need to have the time for your kids to like help them have it sink in, if that makes sense. I also love this quote. It says, win-win agreements focus on results, releasing tremendous individual human potential and creating greater synergy, building PC, remember that's production capability, in the process instead of focusing exclusively on the P. So these win-win agreements are also going to help take care of the goose so that the goose can have more eggs. And I think one thing I love about this story was that she was able to remain calm. Like there wasn't this like offense against her. It was just like, oh, this is our agreement. And it looks like you didn't do your thing. So you don't get this money. Or it looks like here's some clothes that I had to pick up. So I'm deducting this much. It's just like, this is what we agreed on. I'm not going to get super emotional about it. I don't need to like nag and make it mean all these different things. So I think it helps us as parents just get ourselves into this better place where, again, we're letting this agreement like manage itself, if that makes sense. Another story that I thought was really good, and that was in um, the Seven Habits book that I have, is about their agreement with their daughter. So I think this is really good because we're right almost at that point with my son. So I'm going to think about an agreement we set up with the car. So he says, when my daughter turned 16, we set up a win-win agreement regarding the use of the family car. We agreed that she would obey all the laws of the land and that she would keep the car clean and properly maintained. We agreed that she would use the car only for responsible purposes and would serve as a cab driver for her mother and me within reason. And we also agreed that she would do all her other jobs cheerfully and without being reminded. These were our wins. We also agreed that I would provide some resources, the car, gas, and insurance, and we agreed that she would meet weekly with me, usually on Sunday afternoons, to evaluate how she was doing based on our agreement. The consequences were clear. As long as she kept her part of the agreement, she could use the car. If she didn't keep it, she would lose the privilege until she decided to. We had built-in accountability, which means I didn't have to hover over her or manage her methods, her integrity, her conscience, her power of discernment, and our high emotional bank account managed her infinitely better. I just think, oh, it is so helpful to just think about agreements this way as you're navigating that with your kids. And I think also as your kids get older, I've noticed that it's a little bit tricky as they're like coming home for missions or coming home for the summer to figure out the best like way for them to be at home, right? Like, cause they're used to being on their own time and they feel a little more responsible when they're in their own place. So I just feel like, okay, when my kids come back home now, I can just sit down. All right, we need to have this win-win agreement while you're home. What are these expectations? Um, and what do you feel like would be helpful? And we just sit down and have a discussion like that. But I feel like I have more of um, a better sense of how to do that and how to provide the right environment for it to be successful, if that makes sense. So how am I doing? 
last week we had our agreement and we set up two things so far. One was that every one of my kids who are home, so right now I just have three of my kids home, they would take a night to do the dishes. In the past, everyone had a night and we'd rotate jobs, but like we've kind of gotten away with that. And I would just like be like, can someone do the dishes tonight? So we decided everybody would have a night where they would do the dishes. And on Sundays, we would decide what that night would be depending on the schedule of the upcoming week. Like when people had soccer games or dance classes or youth night or so they knew that they would actually have time to do the dishes. Because sometimes originally with our like older chore chart when they were younger, we just kind of like rotate each day. There were like daily jobs and weekly jobs. And sometimes they literally wouldn't have time to do the dishes because of an activity. So this was really good. So last week we did that and I was really impressed. Like my kids said they would do that and all of them did their dishes on the night they were asked to do them and did not complain at all. So it was just like, okay. And for me, I was like, all right, we had this agreement. This is your night. And then for the rest of the time, I don't feel angsty about doing the dishes. You know, like it's just like there's a little bit of angst or like I shouldn't be doing all this all the time. But when I feel like I'm getting a little bit of help from my family, I don't feel that as much. So that I think has been working out pretty well. Now, we also made another agreement about like after school stuff which I feel like we're still in the growing pains of figuring out because we've asked them to be responsible for just picking up a room in the house and then their own bedroom as well as they need to keep up their practicing and homework. And But we gave them the freedom to choose when to do that and we weren't gonna try to micromanage when they chose to do it. Because like before, it was like you had to do all these things before screen time and we're trying to give them a little more freedom to decide when they choose to do that because I have been giving them freedom to just watch like something right after they get home from school because they usually just need a little downtime and now I notice that like I need to just be patient with that. So I feel like there needs to be a little bit of tweaking on that agreement, maybe make some clear consequences. Um, I don't think those are clear and like how the accountability. So we talked about having like spot checks, like I would come in and be like, hey, let's go through and do a spot check on whatever room or your bedroom. So I feel like maybe I just need to do that when I'm getting antsy about them watching like too many shows or just feel like they're on their screen way too much that I can do that because we put that in an agreement. Anyway, that is how we're working out a couple of our agreements so far. I do feel like similar to um, Stephen Covey's first couple days with his son, you do have to be patient in the process of the kids learning. Because if like, for instance, for me, if I've been micromanaging things or just taking the responsibility I have to like relax a little bit and it's going to take them a minute to have that kick in. Okay, there was one quote about consequences that I thought was really good from the highly effective, not the family's book, but the regular one. It says, there are basically four kinds of consequences, what he puts in parentheses, rewards or penalties 
that management or parents can control. Financial, psychic, opportunity, and responsibility. Financial consequences include such things as income, stock options, allowances, or penalties. Psychic or psychological consequences include recognition, approval, respect, credibility, or the loss of them. Unless people are in a survival mode, psychic compensation is often more motivating than financial compensation. Opportunity includes training, development, perks, and other benefits. Responsibility has to do with scope and authority, either of which can be enlarged or diminished. Win-win agreements specify consequences in one or more of those areas and the people involved know it up front. So you don't play games. Everything is clear from the beginning. So I think for me, I need to work on that a little bit more in our second set of jobs. I think as well as with our dishes. I don't know if there was any consequences of them not doing it. They just would have to do it. So I hope this is helpful. For me, it's been really helpful to just see, okay, I see where I've just been off a little bit, even though I've been trying. And that's okay. Like I can just get on and remember the four things that need to be in place. Like you need to be working on your trust with your kids. You need to have the win-win abundant mindset and you need to have high maturity. I guess that, well, I guess those are four things. But um, to like keep the system in place. Like it can't just happen isolated that like a win-win agreement also has to have all those things being worked on as well. Okay, you guys, good luck with your agreements or wish me luck <laughs> with my agreements. I hope this was helpful. This was kind of a little aside on habit four, but for me, this has been helpful and um, I'll keep on reporting how we're doing. Okay, have a great week. And as always, thanks for joining me. Talk to you later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening. 